the reason they need to now look at technology more than ever is because if they don't, they'll be left behind and the guy down the street is going to kick the shit out of their business. Let's do this. Another episode. Welcome to the Veterinary Business Success Show with me, Dr. Dave Nichol. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects that can be used to better manage your veterinary practice. On today's show, I'm joined by Sean Wilkie, who'll provide an entrepreneur's perspective on the current state and future trends in the technologies he thinks will impact the veterinary medicine space, particularly the impact that coronavirus will have on the industry. Sean's the CEO of Talkitu, a dictation software helping time-poor vets get more control in their day. He's also the co-host of the Veterinary Innovations podcast. So in a post-COVID world, one of the only things we know for sure is everything's going to be different. A chat with Sean therefore seemed like a good idea as both the serial entrepreneur and somebody who spends a lot of time talking to both the vets and innovators of our profession. So join me as we talk innovation, being effective, and how we might harness technology in the ongoing fight to make things better. All right, welcome to the show, Mr. Sean Wilkie. How are you? Oh man, I'm I'm super good. I've only been waiting to do this for I think about six eight months. So super excited to be here. We have definitely been batting this back and forth for a little while. Uh, very busy man by the sounds of it. Here, congratulations are in order. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, we just closed our seed round, which is really exciting for us to be able to kind of keep this train going. Amazing, amazing. Well, congratulations on that, the business roller coaster that the entrepreneur walks on. And that's one of the reasons I'm super excited to have you on the show. You know, I know the work that you do and the work that your co-host, Ivan, does, who's also been on, on the podcast. You know, you guys are, you know, done some really cool, innovative things in the space. So it's great just to get a bit of your brain space to ask you a few questions and have you on. So I wondered, I thought we might kick off the conversation today because I really wanted to have you on to talk about technology and the trends that you're seeing as an entrepreneur that's such an important skill to sort of see the big picture look for the gaps and find something that works in that space and that was important and then coronavirus came along and it feels like that just you know this has been a really scary time of upheaval but it also feels like we have just blown up almost every sacred cow in business going and veterinary medicine has always been quite resilient to any form of market sort of disturbances. But I'm not sure that that's true this time. First question then is, how are you seeing the market? What does this mean? And how do you see coronavirus as we potentially emerge from it? I say potentially because the world is in some weird state of flux where it's kicking off someplace and it's settling down in others with who knows what around the corner. How do you see things panning out? What has changed? Yeah, well, start with the easy stuff first. Thanks, Dave. You know, first on the veterinary medicine side, what we're seeing is our customers are busier than ever. And so I think there is some truth to the resilience of the veterinary field. And I think that everybody's gone out and got a, a pandemic puppy. So our customers are super busy. New people are finding us because they're super busy and they don't have time to do their medical records and dictation, which is what we do, is something that's hot right now. I think VetMed's pretty busy, but the other question I think is more interesting, and which is what does it look like when and if the wheels go back on this thing that we call the world? Mm. And I just don't know. I'm perplexed by it. I'm a 40-year-old that a year and a half ago had this 
misconception that we all needed to go to an office in order to be productive as a group of people trying to do a thing together. And I don't believe that anymore. So that's the first thing that's really changed for me is I I don't believe what I used to believe. And then just this, this whole world of VetMed is like, what we do is we go to conferences and we meet with each other. And then we go to other conferences and we meet with each other again. And we go to dinner and we're super close and we give each other hugs and we shake each other's hands and, you know, we kiss each other's babies. And Jesus, I don't know if that's ever going to happen again like it used to. And I don't know how I think about that because part of me is happy to be home in my office. I like it. I don't like traffic. I don't like commuting. So part of me is happy, but then another part of me is just confused because I miss my people. You know, I miss giving those people hugs and I miss going to dinner with them and maybe drinking one too many glasses or bottles of wine. I miss that stuff. So I I don't know. I'm confused. How about you? How does culture work post-COVID? And this maybe gets a little away from the vet practice, but I think it's a big question because, you know, practices are still kind of coming together. But you're right. Like the one of the things you hear over and over and over is how much I think heart and soul and love and kindness, despite what Facebook make us all think about each other in this industry, in this profession, there's a lot of professional support. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's this very collegiate feel to it. There's something just lovely and beautiful about that. It's part of the reason I've loved being in the profession for so long. And without that ability to connect, in a very, very human way, like getting on a plane, I I 100% agree. Like I hate the traveling through airports. I quite like sitting on a plane actually high in the sky, slightly oxygen deprived, drunk on gin and tonic. I'll, I'll take that all day long. But the airports, the stress of the event, the time lost in the event. Oh no, I, I don't want to go back to that. But I also can't bear the thought of not seeing my tribe again. So I'll do it. I think that's the big thing. It's like the missing tribe. It's like I could give you like 15 people, as I'm sure you could give me like your top 15 people right now, people that I'm used to seeing every couple of months, you know, or more often. And the video just doesn't cut it, man. Like, you know, sitting on a video chat, like, I mean, I've got intoxicated over Zoom with a couple of my buddies and I've enjoyed it, but it's just not the same. It's just not the same. It's when you hang up the call, it's like the tide goes out and suddenly it's just you and your four cold walls of your and you're like, okay, is this weird? I actually got drunk in a room on my own. Yeah. <laughs> There's another name for that behavior. <laughs> you can't even go to AA or a group thing to get rid of the uh, you know potential addiction. It's going to be ZA, Zoom Anonymous from now yeah, on. Yes, seriously. Oh, gosh. Well, there is that, but this technology has enabled I. I agree with you the connection to and and certainly traveling you know i almost feel like you know how you get circles of friends or circles of of relationships and they start at school and then high school and then university and you're going through the shared experience with a, a core group of people who are your your besties in that phase of life and then work and perhaps you know i, I ended up in london for the you know my second job so I then had a circle of friends there that you know you just and then you see circles just sort of disperse slightly as you move into another phase of life, you know, having family and then you're doing something else in your life. But it felt like, particularly once you're going to conferences and, and with what you both you and I do, 
it's a necessity that we are at multiple events every year for visibility or for whatever you're doing at a conference. If you're plugged into that system, then there's a tribe of people you get to know. There's an absolute sense of grief in me about not being able to connect with a group of incredibly special, talented, smart, funny people that you can be equally, and you can hold both of these things, you can be equally just overjoyed by their success, driven to higher things because you've got that sort of internal competitive, almost jealousy of what they're doing, and just this melting pot of innovative ideas and you know, you just don't have conversations like that anywhere else. It's like the value of the time spent there is almost immeasurable, and it's not there. Yeah, it's talk about stifling innovation, right? You know, I have the podcast that I do, and we talk about innovation. And, you know, innovation goes really well with a cup of coffee with two or three people sitting in a room. It goes really, really well because you can read all of those things that you just can't get off of a video call. You just can't. They just don't exist. And so I, I really don't know. And like, we're recording this. I'll probably have just come back from being at VMX. I'm going there in June. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm going more than anything just to see what it looks like. Because I don't know how many people are going to be there. I know vaccinations have gone really well in Florida and other areas of the US. And they're kind of calming down. And, you know, Florida is the land of the free. You know, make your own choices. Wear a mask or don't. And so... It's also the land of the old. Like, where, yeah, where, why right. would you be importing everyone from all over the world to Florida of all places? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's laughable, but it's also very interesting, right? Like in Florida, Orlando in particular, that place survives on everybody else's money. It's a tourist town and mm-hmm. it's been all basically shut off. So I just don't know what it looks like. You know, I I'm, I'm, have half a mind that I'm going to be going to this veterinary conference and there's going to be nobody there. And I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that I have gone and participated at a veterinary conference when there was nobody there. So I think worse things could happen. But I just, I have, like, I'm of two opinions. I think on one hand, there's so many people like me that are just ready to give up on it. They've got their vaccination. They're ready to just go back to normal and see what it looks like. And then there's the other hand, which might be the more logical, which is like, what are you doing? Nobody's going to go. There's not going to be anybody there. And I just don't know which is right. So I'm going to go and check it out and see what happens. I do believe that most of us want to go back to some sort of normal like before. But I believe that we're probably going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It's going to be different. I don't know exactly what's it's going to look like. And I think we're all in that boat with not being quite sure of what anything's going to look like. From where you're sitting, where are the areas for that you think are areas that we can improve a lot in practice? Like the listenership to this podcast are practice owners, practice managers, people in leadership positions, people who can affect meaningful change. Where should we be looking as far as you're concerned, where are the, the points where we, we're missing a trick? And to be it technology, uh, change of work practices, investment, where are the points, the levers we could be pulling right now as far as you can see? Is, has anything popped up to you? Yeah, it's a really great question, Dave. Thanks for it. I think the thing that 
I've realized, and I said this before, is the first two weeks of this pandemic, if we go back to March a year ago, the first two weeks of this pandemic saw a decade worth of digital transformation. So what that says to me is that people doubled down, crippled down on technology, not because they wanted to, not because it was in their budget, not because somebody told them to, but because no other reason than they absolute fucking needed to. You know, and if they didn't do it, if they didn't set themselves up with the tools that they needed to be able to connect remotely, to be able to manage their inbox, to be able to schedule things, to be able to lessen the manual labor associated with general static things in their profession, they were in big trouble. And so when I think about your question, the technology train is moving and things can't be like the way they were. And the reason now is different than the reason at the beginning of the pandemic. The reason at the beginning of the pandemic is like, we got to figure out how to keep the lights on if we're not able to go there. So that was the reason then. But the reason now, I believe, is there's still some laggards that haven't adopted technology, that haven't thought about maybe their practice management software should be in the cloud so they can access it anywhere. There's still some of these practices. It's probably a large percentage, probably 30, 40% still. The reason they need to now look at technology more than ever is because if they don't, they'll be left behind and the guy down the street is going to kick the shit out of their business. It's a sobering prospect, but a, a completely change-resistant profession. That, I think that for me for, was one of the most amazing things when it all kicked off, was a profession that has been very slow to adapt to technology and quite resistant. And in many ways, uh, founded on an activity that is inherently an analog activity you know it's a it's very hard to scale a moment of connection in an exam room and it's very hard to in any cost effective way get the the swathe of information you can get by performing a physical examination and uh, taking a history without an animal directly in front of you you know there's there's moves in that direction but it's still beyond us in any way that seems financially sensible or indeed legally <laughs> possible right now that's a different thing but what i really loved about when we first went into lockdown was suddenly in my own practice you're like well holy crap in in the space of like three hours we seem to have innovated three new service subcategories in the practice and let's just go make it happen and that's a muscle that i don't think we'd flexed very well so how do we flex that muscle more yeah, I think that's a great that's a great question and I think th there's a couple of easy ways. I mean, one it's leaning into things that you're you've actually are interested in. So, if you're interested in optimizing the throughput of your clinic and making it more efficient, you can actually look for tools that do that. You know, and I think that like Ivan Smartflow and the other one that's uh, escaping me Caleb's running God, I can't remember. It's another, Caleb, I'm really sorry. I know the CEO's name, but I don't know the software. Instinct, there it is. I think of, you know, these applications that will allow for people to optimize their workflow. And maybe you like that. Maybe you like to make more money. So lean into that. Or maybe you're a sole vet that 
is kind of on an island or on a very isolated and you're reading radiographs, performance surgeries, doing it all yourself, you know, and maybe that makes you nervous. So you, you look into a company like, um, oh man, the names that just don't come as quick as they should. I think it's the 40 year old brain. Oh my God. What's the teleradiology platform called? Oh, it'll come to me in a minute. That's how it always works. But you look at solutions that can fill the need, you know, so um, you deploy signal pets. See, I told you it would come. You deploy signal pets so that you can have a second opinion on the radiographs or have a first glance by artificial intelligence because because you have a need for it. So like figure out what your need is in your practice and then Google it or check out our podcast or talk to some people and and double down where you have a need and take a look and see what technology can be used for. Maybe you don't do your medical records. Like maybe you just never do them. So look at Talkatu, you know, and and give dictation a try. It's different than it used to be. You know, I think look at the needs, like just step back. You know, there's this thing we use this operating system to run my company. We use it a couple of times now. It's called Traction or EOS. And it's great. And it really encourages this thing called a clarity break. And a clarity break is you take a pad of paper and a pen and you go on a coffee date with yourself and you turn your phone off and just start to write down whatever comes to your mind. Think about your business. It will blow your mind. The things that you forgot to do, the things that you know you need to do that you haven't done in a while, and then prioritize the list and just start working down. Maybe some technology stuff will apply. Maybe it's just common sense stuff that you know that you need to do that you haven't done it. But I do believe that technology is a shortcut to a lot of the problems that veterinary medicine has. It's not a silver bullet. And I'm not like the type of person that says, if you buy this software, everything will change because it's not true. No piece of software can do that. You, you know, there's all kinds of components to like positive change, but it starts with you, like the listener on the other end of this podcast. It starts with you trying to figure out what you want to fix, what's broken, what needs to be optimized, and then double down on it. Sprinkle in some technology, give two shits, and you'll be amazed what can happen. Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. At the root of this problem are usually three dysfunctions. A poorly articulated vision, toxic culture, or some form of leadership breakdown. If this sounds familiar, then do not despair. Help is at hand. I encourage you to check out Leaders, a veterinary-specific leadership training program where you will learn how to create and execute on a shared vision, how to hire well, and build a powerful, high-performance practice culture without all the drama. The class is accredited, delivered online, and open for applications now. To learn more, listen to a free training webinar, or apply, visit vetexinternational.com forward slash leaders. Okay, welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed part one. Let's get into some more meaty content to help you grow your practice in part two. I'm thinking, like, how do you go about starting your day? How do you build those clarity moments for you? Everyone's a little different when they have those, you know, their their mental downtime from more freewheeling activities. 
When works for you? And do you have a process around that? I guess I do have a process. So what really works well for me is what I described. I actually schedule time in my calendar and that time is me time. And I I sit there with the screens turned off and the phone not around. And, you know, with COVID, it's been on the back deck overlooking the lake or, you know, just a quiet space. And I'll just scribble down things that come to me. And like, often it's the craziest things that I didn't do in six months that I totally forgot about. And I don't know where it's coming from. This clarity break thing, it's it's a strange thing, but it's literally just schedule coffee with yourself. Go and just a piece of paper, no technology. It's not my idea. I've taken it from somebody else, but it's really been amazing. And if you get nothing out of listening to this podcast today from me, other than just to schedule some time with yourself, even if it's 30 minutes, and a piece of paper, I'm telling you, your listeners are, will thank me for telling them because it's done miraculous things for my companies over the years. Are there any examples of things that, you know, that have come to you in those moments that have just changed everything? Oh, yeah. So a great one, a recent one. I talked to a person on my team. I said I was going to give them a salary increase. I'm not even their manager. They don't work for me anymore, but I was so happy with something they did. Three months later, at a clarity break, I said, oh shit, did I do that? They didn't come to me. They didn't ask. So I went back to them, made it retroactive, and everything's good in the world. But if I hadn't had that clarity break, I would have forgot to do it. And then I look like an asshole, which is one of our core values, no assholes. So that's not good. (laughs) Okay. So this is making me think about You've got a finite amount of time in your day. And I think this is one of the places technology can really help all of us. There's a finite amount of time in each of our days. And I wonder how you think about this. But, you know, you've got tasks that are $10 an hour tasks, $100 an hour tasks, $1,000, 10000 maybe 100000 You know, your example there is probably if that, you know, if somebody that good leaves, that could have been a hundred thousand dollar an hour task right there because of the damage that can do to your company or the weakening of your culture by not living a value or your reputation a hundred percent right a hundred percent i'm just thinking like where are the wins for practitioners that they they're doing something that's low value because i see this all the time people this is the number one thing that people say to me when i'm coaching them or when they're we're doing leadership development work with them. When will I have time to do this? And then we get to talking about what they do in their day and the amount of their time that they're doing really low value stuff that is screaming for their attention, but actually isn't that important. And the really, really big stuff often doesn't scream for your attention. You have to be intentional about doing it, but it's the strategic stuff that particularly when you're being deluged with work, as we all are now, is really, really easy to ignore. How do we leverage technology? I'm working on the premise that technology is a way to help with this. How do you and how do you see it working for practices, being able to leverage technology? I think that's one of the things I think about when I think about technologies like Talkatoo. I hate trading dollars for time as a straight swap. Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess my own personal experience is all that I have to draw on. And so... I think recently I've gone through this cycle. So, you know, we were raising a couple of million dollars to fund the future growth of this company. 
And it's something that I had never done before and something that I really needed to take seriously. And so what I did next scared the shit out of me. And that was I canceled everything in my calendar, all of my one-on-ones with my team, all of my department meetings. I had one management meeting once a week. That was everything that was in my calendar. And I had to lean on the people underneath me to pick up the pieces, whatever the pieces were, because I was just not available. And David scared the shit out of me. Like I was like, but they need me and they, you know, the, this and the, the, that. And so, you know, I cleared my calendar. So I guess that's a bit of technology, right? Like if you have a calendar, look at it and like make some decisions. You as a practice owner, you as a practice manager, you own it. You know, it's your calendar. So use that tool to protect your time. I, I would schedule blocks of my day. They would just say blocked, you know, so that's a way to leverage technology. Have a calendaring system that people can see. Block your calendar. It's your time. You choose how to use it. So that's what I had to do. And it worked. Like I'm on the other side of it now. And it worked. I was scared. I didn't think it was going to be the right thing to do. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. So I think that that's a really, it's not a technology thing. It's it's a mindset thing. It's like they call it in this traction system that I use, letting go of the vine. And it feels like that. It feels like, okay, you're holding on to this thing and it needs you. And if you're not there, it's going to die and it's all going to fall apart. But the reality is like when you let go, it's surprising what happens. So I think there's a little bit of technology sprinkled in there, like, you know, protecting your time in your calendar is a big thing. But then looking at tools that save time, like that's time is a finite thing. So if it takes you two hours to do your bloody medical records every day and you hate every minute of it, you know, this is not meant to be sell talk to, but for God's sakes, give it a try. It might just be the thing that saves you an hour every day for the rest of your life. Like that's a no brainer to me. And if it doesn't work, who cares? Try something different. But I think that's a big thing, Dave, isn't it? You got to try something. You're not going to fix anything if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So I think there's like this ability to try things now that's never existed before. So many companies, and I know this because I've talked to 100 founders in the vet industry, so many companies will let you have the thing for 30 days, 10 days, seven days, and you could just try it. All you got to lose is like maybe 20 minutes of your time or a couple of hours of your time. So I think that's a big thing when it comes to technology. Just go out and try things. Like if people didn't have confidence that the thing would work, there's no chance that they give you a free trial. So like if somebody's given you a free trial of any software, they've got a certain degree of confidence that when you try it, it's going to work. And so that's, to me, part of the magic of like a free trial is they know it's going to work. So now you just got to try it. So I think, I don't know, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think doing something instead of nothing is the first step. 100% on that. Okay. So I'm wondering, because I'm I'm keeping an eye on the clock here, because I know you're, you're going to bounce off shortly, but give me and again, I, I want you to come at this perhaps from the point of view of just, you know, you're looking in on on practices and your customers and the people you interact with out across the the sphere of, or the, the, the landscape of veterinary medicine. What are the most important things 
to pay the most attention to at the moment? Is, is, are there three things that you would say, look, guys, if you're not looking here, this is something that you're missing out on. And again, keeping that sort of perhaps in the technology space. Yeah. So artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence and machine learning. And like, I think, or just AI, AI, AI. I think a lot of people have no clue. So go to YouTube and watch a crash course. You could just search crash course AI. If you don't know anything about this, you should, because it's going to change every industry and it's already started. And it's not going to be like the machines are taking over our jobs like that. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Not in our lifetimes, probably. We might see some of it. But we are Unless going you're a radiologist. To... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even still, like, it's like, I don't know. I, I really think that there's going to be this human element in all of the areas of career. And like radiology is one of the things that needs a heck of a lot of help, especially in vet med. There's 350 of those people and there's an awful lot of radiographs to read. So I think that's exactly what I would say is like, learn a little bit about it. And it's not what you think it is. It's something much less simple. You know, the, the easiest way to explain these things to people is a very well-written, very detailed set of instructions that a machine can perform with the answers to a bunch of variables in case those things happen. And so it's, it's not as scary as some people think it is. And I think it's going to affect every industry and it's already in vet med and it's coming. And it will help an awful lot. And we're still going to be behind the wheels. Like, we're still going to be in charge. You know, I, th- I always feel like that is one of the greatest gifts that the film Terminator gave us, was where we will never trust the robots completely. But you're right. It's having the human element to manage the situation. I think those skills are going to become much more important as some of the deductive work is going to be done more effectively by machines faster more accurately yeah i, I completely agree in a quick example for all of the people that are like oh the machines are coming i hate artificial intelligence i hate machine learning a lot of people will think that but here's a question to ask yourself the next time you get an alert from your bank that says that your spending doesn't make sense and that somebody's bought these things which has happened to a lot of us that's ai that's not a person it's a computer that's looking for patterns that are not normal and just flagging them. That's a good damn thing. I want that for my bank account. If somebody else wants to write it down and you know do a manual ledger, they can do that. And there is certain people like that that will want that. But who has the advantage? The person that knows because they've got AI working on their bank account or the person that's doing it manually. And by the time they get around to doing it at the end of the month, there's $100,000 gone. You know, who has the advantage? And that's that's how I would like your listeners to think about it. It's it's a tool. It's a tool like a well-sharpened scalpel. That's all it is. It's a tool. We have got such a, a chronic shortage of talented, skilled people who are struggling to retain in the industry. And, you know, you read a lot about technology eating, eating the world, and it's just this grinder that's chewing up jobs. And that's that's true in certain sectors, for sure. But when you've got such a shortage of skilled people, I mean, it's partly, I think, going to drive the trend into, well, you know, if if a large corporation cannot staff, and they've paid an awful lot of money for the businesses that have no staff, 
they're going to find ways to force multiply the staff they do have. And that's going to drive new paradigms of doing business. But it's also going to force multiply the effectiveness that a veterinarian, a single veterinarian or a, a team can have with bolted on augmentation with automation, with AI, you know, with communication technologies that we're seeing now is just going to be this extended powerhouse effect, I think, for practices, if you can harness it, if you can adopt it. And that means getting over the fear. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing. Just a little education, crash course, AI, look at it. It's not that scary. It's it's just a bunch of instructions. It's just like giving an employee a detailed list and asking them to clean the bathroom. It's not that bad. And one that gets done every time to the same standard, which is a lot different to how you might get that toilet cleaned. Sean, this time has just flown past way too fast. I wonder if we might have a round two at some point and we'll pull some more questions together. You've got a lot on and a lot of work to do, but it's really lovely just having a having a chat with you for these super quick 30 minutes. Are there any sort of takeaway for the, the listeners before we sign off? I don't know. We've got a free trial for Takatu. So. <laughs> Speaking of free trials. <laughs> That's right. No, Dave, this was a pleasure. I mean, I can't believe how quick the time went by. So it was great. I'm super glad we had a chance to connect. Thanks for having me. So that wraps up today's episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would be most appreciated if you would leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends in veterinary medicine all about us. Until next time, from all of us here at VetX International, be safe, be well, and be happy. Be happy.